Welcome to yet another episode of Tuesday's Timely Torah Talks. Tonight we have with us a very special guest, a very dear friend of Chazak, Rabbi Eliezer Zaytuna Shlita, a renowned rabbi, lecturer, uh, Rosh Hashiva speaker, mover and shaker, motivator, Rabbi Zaytuna. Welcome, Shalom Aleichem. How are you doing? How's everything? Everything's good. Baruch Hashem, Yaniv. And hello, everybody. Chazak World, such a beautiful organization you're part of. It's such a wonderful opportunity. Really, Yaniv, I'm very excited to be here. Really, such a beautiful thing. What a wonderful way to address people. Baruch Hashem. Chaz Hashem, welcome to the program, Rabbi Zaytuna. Tonight's topic is Chinuch. All beginnings are difficult, education, educating our children. But before we delve into tonight's topic, Rabbi, uh, maybe give our listeners a little bit of background about yourself, a little bit about what the great work you're doing and what you're involved with. Well, thank you so much. Okay, so uh, as you know, my name is uh, Rabbi Elias Zaytuni, uh, born and raised in Brooklyn, the Syrian community, Baruch Hashem, went to various yeshivot, and uh, we started the shul approximately, uh, it was 14 years ago, and we built Baruch Hashem, boys, people are coming, they're growing, it's an amazing thing, and, and three years ago, we had a vision you know, I've been in Chinuch for 20 years, Baruch Hashem, in all facets, elementary school, high school, seminary, you know, all different uh, divisions, Baruch Hashem, upper school, lower school. And we had a vision to start a new type of yeshiva where we teach the boys not only the curriculum, but we foster their confidence, we teach them vocations, have college credits, we, we give them skill-based learning, and we see boys are thriving. It's a wonderful thing. It's called Yeshivat Kenyan Torah. And our synagogue is called Congregation B'nai Shalomu. And Baruch Hashem, we're becoming a mainstay and a brand in the yeshiva, in the, in the yeshiva world and in the shul world. And uh, whatever we can do to further, you know, the expansion of people coming close to Tehakadosh Baruch we're on the team. Thank oh, God. Chaz Hashem, Rabbi Zaytuna, I know for many years, is always looking to help colleagues, to help the Jewish people to do good things. And uh, I've seen the yeshiva grow the rabbi sends me and people send me messages all the time. I know many of the parents of the school and they tell me very, very great and exciting things that are happening over there. So Chazaku Baruch Yashakach Rabbi Zaytune. So we're going to jump right now to tonight's topic, which is Chinuch, uh, education. All beginnings are difficult. We know that Kolat Chalot Kashot, all beginnings are difficult. Uh, we are now about to start the new school year, a new beginning. Who gets affected the most, Rabbi, by these difficulties? Ah, it's a great question, Yaniv. So the truth of the matter is, everybody gets affected by this new year. You know, the teachers are very, uh, I would say, I wouldn't say worried, but apprehensive. What kind of class am I getting? What are the strengths? What are the weaknesses? Until they adjust, you know, we have to figure out what, what, what groups are good together, which two boys should not sit together. So there's a real apprehension on the part of the teacher. The boys are nervous. Who is my teacher going to be? Are there any new boys coming in? Should I put up my guard, my defenses? How am I supposed to proceed? Is the teacher going to be difficult? Are the tests going to be difficult? You know, everybody has to do, you know, go through their adjustments. And sometimes these adjustments could be tedious. Parents are, you know, uh, also affected. You know, how am I, how's my kid going to fear this year? Is he going to succeed? Is he not going to succeed? Is he going to do well with the teacher? Maybe not so well. So, there is no one answer for that question. Everybody is affected in their own way, their own right. One second. You're going to edit this, right? That was terrible. Okay. Brooklyn. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Okay. 
So Rabbi Zaytunik, what are some of the most common difficulties that students face for the new school year, Rabbi? So the truth of the matter is, when students spend two months, you know, the Pasuk writes, it says the Ben in Yom Ta'azveni Yomayim Ha'azveka. If you leave me for one day, I leave you for two days. That's what the Torah tells Ben Yisrael. The truth of the matter is, that means if a person, a boy, did not learn for two months, he went to, you know, summer excursion, he didn't learn for two months, the Torah leaves him for four months, which means it sets you back six months in your school year. That's why sometimes you see, you know, boys came, and not only did they not amass new knowledge, but the old knowledge that they learned last year dissipated and disappeared. Why is that? Because they didn't review. There was no hazara, there was no learning being done. So one of the difficulties that a student faces is to get, you know, to get and reamass all that knowledge. But besides that, you're going from, you know, very fun activities and uh, days filled with, you know, uh, sports and then swimming and all different types of, you know, leisurely activities to having to readjust yourself and to sit into a class again, you know, to, to, to refocus. And sometimes that could prove to be uh, very difficult for a student. Sometimes it could take them a month. It could take them two months sometimes, you know. Um, the other difficulties that sometimes occur is, again, when new students join a school. So there's a stress on the part of the new student because, you know, sometimes he uh, has to, you know, acclimate to new boys and to new girls and to new cliques. But sometimes it's the existing student that's in the class that gets affected by those new students. Because sometimes those new students have to prove themselves. And because they have to prove themselves, sometimes they might not be so nice and they might not be so kind. And it might affect an existing student who the year before was thriving and now he finds himself to be, you know, struggling socially. So again, we have to understand when we deal with students, you're not dealing with classes, you're dealing with individuals. And every boy has their struggle. Every boy has their fears, their, their, uh, you know, their inhibitions. And therefore we have to know that if you see a boy that's not acting as himself, we have to address every boy. You know, everybody's affected by the new year in, in, in their way, in their respects, teachers as well. Amazing. Amazing. 100% Rabbi Zetuna, beautiful insight. Um, so so h- how do we as parents address these difficulties, which is invalidly going to occur? It's going to happen. What, 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 what can we do? What do you suggest, Rabbi? Okay, so, uh, you know, as a, as a parent, the number one thing that you have to do as a teacher, the number one thing you have to do is love and confidence. That kid has to know that mommy, my dad loves me. They're behind me and they believe in me. Under all circumstances, I went to school, that teacher is murder. Her tests are murder. I can't pass anything. But my parents know that I'm a success. Parents know that I know my parents love me regardless of what goes on. And therefore, they can foster my growth. Another thing that's very important, and I'm telling this especially to teenage parents, is that your, your kids, whether it be a boy, a girl, have to know you're on their team. Have to know that you're there for them to succeed. Sometimes you come home, right? They come home and he starts yelling at them. Are you doing homework? Did you do your homework? Go on. You have no test? Do, do they learn anything in that school? What's, what's going on here? Where are you going? What time are you coming back? And you have to be a parent. That's your job. But at the same time, sometimes 
your children are going to think that you're coming up against, you know, you're coming against them. Well, my parent doesn't want me to have a social life. They don't want me to thrive. What is it, jail? So it's very important from the get-go that you establish that you're on the same team. You're not, it's not an adversarial uh, relationship. You're working in tandem. You're working together. And it takes time. It takes time that that kid should know mom loves me. She's out for me. She's a pain in my neck, but, you know, she's doing it for my, for my benefit. You know, and it's, it doesn't go through words. Words don't work there. It's actions. It's you coming and saying, how are you doing? What's going on? You know, uh, I'm taking out for dinner. I want to tell you something. You know, Billy and I, uh, me and my wife have a, a nice uh, practice in the home. We stopped it with COVID, but we, you know, hopefully we relaunch it. And that is once a month, we take one kid for dinner. Just that kid. We go out wherever they want to go. Just that child. We give them attention, the love. They say, we are with you. We're on your side. You know, when we talk and we ask you now, kids should not be scared to come to you with their problems, with their issues, with things that they're facing, because they're scared you're going to, there's going to be backlash. God forbid. You have to be, yes, you have to be strict. You have to be regimented. But you have to be very loving. Very loving. If you do that, your kid will thrive. They're just, you know, they'll catapult. Unbelievable. Amazing suggestions, Rabbi. Unbelievable. I love that idea. They got one kid once a month. Okay. So that means if a person has 12 kids once a year. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> All right. Rabbi. It's better than never. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Rabbi, now that school will, thank God, be back in person. You know, I know many schools uh, were doing uh, the Zooming, uh, Zoom, Zoom. And uh, as opposed to Zooming, they're going to be in person. How does one adjust to this new reality of coming back to school after uh, in person as uh, after being uh, on Zoom and through these devices for such a long time, what, what do you suggest? I'll tell you this much. You know, first of all, we've been off Zoom for a year already. You know, now we see this. But yeah, Zoom really... The year before was Zooming, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we stopped early last year. We, that's it. We, we couldn't do it anymore. I want to tell you something. This entire Zoom culture really, really affected our youth. A lot of them went into depression during this quarantine. Kids started. Oh. Sorry. Here, yeah. A lot of a lot of our kids went into depression. Kids became, you know, uh, withdrawn. You know, without socializing, interacting in an interpersonal way, it's very detrimental to to the cultivation. You know, the cultivating of, of a child, his personality. So, the first thing you have to do is if a kid becomes a little bit too social, it's, it's that withdrawal that's talking. That kid is popping. You know, the, the, the pressure could come. Now, I think that really, for, for the most part, everybody's been out and social and going out, you know, but, the, but there has to be a lot of tolerance. I think, again, I'm very into regimen. I'm very into structure. Very important into discipline. But at the same time, we have to learn that we have to understand that these kids went through something that we never went through in our life. We never, I never learned on Zoom. I would never, I never learned in class, but that's besides the point. I never learned on Zoom. Okay. I was a, you know, a regular student. We went to class. We did what we had to do. And it was it. You had a student on your right. You had a student on your left. You had a student in front of you. It was normalcy. These kids did not have it. And then one other thing, there was a fear. That was going through these children, a real trauma. Nobody knew what this virus was. 
Nobody knew what was that? anybody who had a TV in their house and on the news they had those trackers. How many people got sick? How many people went out? How many people died? You think it didn't affect those children, those kids? It definitely did. So I don't know if the question should be how are we going to go from Zoom to into you know to personal you know teaching. Most schools have done it already, but how do we deal with the trauma that's affected those kids? The educational level. It's not, it's, it's incomparable. You can't compare to, you know, to pre-COVID. It, it, we're going back, we're readjusting. And therefore, if you're a parent, it's called patience. Patience with your kid, they'll get there. If you're a teacher, it's called patience. Patience with the boys and the girls, they'll get there. And if you're a kid, patience with yourself. Understand that you went through a lot, we all did, and we'll get there. There's that to share. Beautiful. Rabbi Zaytone, amazing patience. Very, very important. And uh, as the rabbi knows, this program is called Tuesday's Timely Torah Talks. Maybe Ma. you could leave us with some closing inspiring remarks for our listeners, which are especially timely and relates potentially to our topic. But it doesn't have to be. It could be anything. Final message to our broad audience uh, that you want to share with us, Rabbi. So, you know, we know in uh, last week's parasha. I know it's Tuesday night, but I, I, can, I can refer to last week's parasha. The Torah talks about a man marrying a woman. Rashi writes, if it's noon in, right, even though she was, maybe she was married before, but he marries her, good, he can't go anywhere. He has to stay in the house. One year, he can't go out to war. He has enough war in his house. But anyway, but, and, uh, right, what happens? He has to stay home. The on the 49th page on the second side. And the Gemara there writes that there were 10 leaders, 10 kabin of talk, of speech that came down into the world. The Gemara writes, nine of those leaders were taken by women. Men only took one. By the way, someone told me, I said this on Shabbat, someone said, yeah, but if the world, the whole world took one, that means women took half of that also. So women have 95% of the speech and men have only uh, 5%. And the question is, why did God create the world like that? The truth of the matter is, it's true. Shubarim, my son calls me from Yeshiva. He calls me. Hi, Dad. Hi, honey. What's going on? Good. Uh, how's standard? How's learning? Good. How's your I don't say it. You called me just to say, good, you called me. I didn't call you. My daughter, she calls you. She's in camp. She calls me up. Hi, Dad. Hi, honey, how was your day? And we start from the beginning of the day. I woke up at 8.45. I went to brush my teeth. I went to do my... All of a sudden, it becomes all... We have to hear the whole thing. I said, do me a favor, stop. Call your brother. <laughs> you thought, call your brother. Leave Why is that? Why did God do that? So, Rav Chaim Shmulevitz writes a beautiful thing. He writes, you know, when a person does a chesed for somebody, you do a chesed for someone, right? So, besides for the fact that they benefit from your chesed, there's something else that transpires at that moment. At that moment, when you do a kindness, perform a kindness, an act of benevolence for your friend, you infuse and plant in that friend the potential, the will to do chesed himself. You're planting a seed of chesed within that person that he wants to do chesed himself. That's the way it works. That's why when you smile at someone, they smile back. Why does it work that way? It doesn't have to work that way. And the answer is because when you smile at someone, you plant in him the ratzon, the will, to want to smile also. That's why the Pasuk the, the, uh, Mishlei writes, If I talk softly to someone, 
Even if someone's angry, it calms down. Because when I talk softly to someone, I plant within him the calmness, the serenity. So he calms down as well. I saw a sefer called the Ben Parat Yosef. The Ben Parat Yosef writes, why did God make women speak so much? Okay, give them such potential for speech. He says, you want to know why? Because the man is at home with the kids. Where's the man? He's out there in the field. He's in the store. He's working. Who's dealing with the kids? The wife. The wife is dealing with the kids. And therefore, there's so much planting that she has to do with that child. So therefore, God gave her the kohadibur. Why? You want to give him confidence? Speak to him in confidence. He's going to have that confidence. Planting him love. He's going to have love. Planting him personality. He's going to have personality. So Boreo Lam said, listen, you can't, you can't divide it equally between men and women, the kohadibur, right? The power of speech. Because if that's the case, what are men going to do with all that talk? But women need it because there's a lot of investing, planting that they have to do. So therefore, Baruch Hashem, next time your your uh, your wife uh, Yaniv, next time your wife uh, starts talking and she talks to you a lot, tell her please, my mother did it already. Now that tell her, thank you, Baruch Hashem, God gave you such a kawah, such potential that you are the one who's planting. Hashem, by doing that, we'll have real shalom bayit, serenity, healthy kids, both emotionally and physically. Hashem, Amen. Amen. Amazing, phenomenal, short, sweet, powerful inspiration on the topic of chinuch and education. We should take these lessons to heart. We should should remind all of our listeners every single Tuesday night, the special guest speakers, various different topics, timely to- Tuesday's timely Torah talks. Uh, we see each other very soon. Amen.